0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Yoga Magic. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard, and we are talking about self-care again, but this time through some harder times, but we're going to keep it light because that's the vibe here. <laughs> My friend Chelsea London Lloyd is on the pod today, and I'm so excited for you to hear from her. She's a babe. Anyways, before we get to that, I want to just express some overwhelm. Perhaps maybe you're feeling this too with a post-COVID World, whoa! I feel like things got real busy all of a sudden. I just been trying to catch up on life, you know, like see people I haven't seen, book appointments, things that have been pushed off for over a year, and I'm just like, whoa, super overwhelmed. I don't think it helps that it's eclipse season either, but I just, I know I'm not the only one feeling this right now. So if you are too, everybody, gentle reminder from someone who definitely forgot: (laughs) you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to do all these things super fast, give yourself some grace, slow down. It's totally, it's totally okay. We have time. You know, it's funny too, because this eclipse energy, it's very much wild card, right? If you're, if you're new to working with eclipse energy, there's just no way to plan or really, um, know what's coming next because it is so wild card. And yeah, I've been feeling that. I've been feeling that all over. If you're new to working with eclipses, and I shouldn't even say working because you're not really working with them. You're really just observing. You're just letting them happen and resting and grounding down. Um, There is a simple way to kind of see how an eclipse is affecting you in your chart so first you want to look at the eclipse this this one that's happening today is a solar eclipse in gemini see what sign it's in right so this is in gemini and then find gemini in your birth chart which house is it in for me gemini is in the third house which is really daily routines So you can say, okay, you know, Gemini, the the energy of Gemini is very much about communication, socialization, storytelling. And the third house is about daily routines. And so if I know, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to observe something right now, I would be observing maybe the stories that I'm telling myself in my daily routines. (laughs) I'll use this example. I'm totally telling myself that I don't have enough time in my day to get all the things done, but then I go and like sit on the Rent the Runway app for an hour and a half. If I could have used that time productively, I don't even want to say productively, but use that time on my to-do list that I had really excited, was excited to tackle, but then just didn't do it, I'd get through everything, right? So being honest, that's that's how it's hitting me. If you are curious, you want to see, you know, like how this is affecting you. I really love Chani Nicholas's app, Chani, C-H-A-N-I, to get these readings to kind of get the lay of the land um, for your chart. And she breaks it down in just a really tangible way. So, anyways, happy eclipse, everybody. We're gonna get through it. We're almost to, well, goodness, July. No, it's just June. It's June. But it's here, and yeah, take it slow, rest, rejuvenate. That's why we listen to this show. <laughs> okay, friends, let me tell you about my very cool, very funny friend, Chelsea. I say a lot of guests are my friends, and a lot of them are. Chelsea's like like a good friend. Like I, I really, really love her a lot. We met in the fall around pad, podcasting, and I just love spending digital time with her, we get together monthly to talk about podcasting um, with some other awesome podcasting boss babes. And she's just helped me a lot in the last couple months um, through her podcast, through her counsel, through her just her friendship, through my own grief and loss, because that's you know her area of genius. I love her podcast, Dying of Laughter, and her, her real-life approach to just really hard things. So Chelsea London Lloyd, she's a comedian, a grief activist who uses humor to help other people cope with their pain. She grew up with two sick parents. At age eight, her parents were diagnosed with ALS and breast cancer. Her dad died of ALS when she was 19 and her mom, who lost her own mother to leukemia at 19, currently combats stage four metastatic breast cancer, which returned after 17 years in remission. Lloyd volunteers, hosts peer lead grief groups via the dinner party. She mentors a nine-year-old girl whose mom has stage four breast cancer via Walk With Sally and volunteers at our house, grief support via their grief camps and groups. First of all, I didn't even know that there were things like this, like grief support and counseling and mentorship and the dinner party, just all of these communities around grief. Chelsea is such an amazing resource if you are struggling with loss, especially the loss of a parent. Um, And she talks a lot about this on this episode, how, how it's changed over her time, as you know what her healing journey has looked like and how humor has helped helped a lot so her show is very funny it's she's just super funny and her show interviews some really you know, amazing people who have dealt with grief and loss themselves. So, thank you, Chelsea. I'm so happy you're on this show. I can't wait to get into this conversation. A big old thank you to our show sponsor, Simpson and Vale Tea. It's the ultimate self care moment, a cup of tea. Yoga Magic listeners get access to their over 380 tea blends, and you can use code YOGAMAGIC for 15% off of your first order. And finally, babes, I just put together the most badass guide to building your morning routine. Based on, of course, your zodiac sign. So if you want that free guide, you want to know what your sign has to do with your morning routine, go ahead, check it out. Um, you'll get more information on upcoming episodes, events, by signing up for the newsletter with the link in my show notes. All right, everybody. I love you all. Thanks for being here. Follow along. Share some love on Instagram at Yoga Podcast or at ashleysondergaard.yoga. Well, for listeners that are not in the know of Chelsea London Lloyd, she's my friend. She, we met, oh, when was it this fall? Like in the accelerator, man, what is time? And now I have this like, this person, like a couple people that I can go to about all these things that sometimes are podcast related and sometimes they're not. And today this is not, this is about dealing with, with grief. And it's funny because I, I've been like kind of, I honestly haven't had to deal with a lot of grief in my life, not like you. And now as we're going through this miscarriage, I'm I'm really understanding where this comes from. And so today we're going to talk about grief and humor and all the goodness that you have. Chelsea, can you just tell listeners who you are and, and about your show and your, your platform and the things that you talk about?
1: Yes, here for all of it. And I'm just so sorry about your experience that you're having. And I really appreciated your Instagram posts about it. And I I look forward to, I mean, I always... I think that's interesting. Like, yay. I'm excited to talk about, like, I'm not like that, but I am looking forward to hearing more about what you are going through because that's a big deal. And it's so common and yet still taboo. And yet everyone's situation is different, all the things. So the the host in me is going to really struggle with not just like asking you a million questions.
0: I have that problem too. Yeah, I feel (laughs) it.
1: Um, okay. I'm Chelsea. I'm from the Bay area. I've been in LA for a minute. Like 8 year 8 years or something like that and I love it here I'm a comedian I'm an actress and I host the podcast Dying of Laughter where I interview comedians and funny at heart humans in the entertainment and wellness spaces specifically about their loss of parents and siblings and in a normal year you know I'm doing more commercials some TV a lot of stand up and it's a little bit coming back, but it's been an interesting transition. And for the past year, I worked at Buzzfeed as a full-time talent and then full-time producing grief content. So it's been a fascinating last year compared to what I normally do, but yeah, I'm excited to be here and talk about the sad things and the happy things and the combination of the sad and happy things. Yeah. You just hit it on the
0: head, the combination. I feel like that's the, that's this piece of, of sadness, of emotions that I don't know that I fully grasped honestly, until I met you and I started really listening to your interviews and how you talk about these things. One, a very good friend, I've used this quote so many times. Um, a very good friend, um, April Seifert, who who's been on the show has said that our emotions aren't clean. And I just feel like that's so true. You don't just have like one emotion. You're not just like sad. You're like, you're sad about this thing and you're, you're laughing about something else. So as you have decided to talk about, grief and about loss with, with individuals. Like what have you learned? What big takeaways have you had in these really like hard conversations? I have learned
1: that there's a commonality amongst people who've suffered varying kinds of tragedy in general. And then specifically within the grief space, I've learned that even if you've lost a different family member or in a different kind of way, there's still this overwhelming understanding and connection, which I first realized when I graduated college, my dad had died my freshman year, so I was still recently grieving. I befriended a girl in my stand-up program I was in who had lost her brother in high school in an accident. Mm-hmm. And It was a completely different circumstance than having lost your dad to ALS, which is what my experience was. And yet it was the first person that I really, really felt saw my pain. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that was interesting. And it planted a seed that later in life, AKA now became this podcast of just like, hey, that situation really, really helped me, even though it was brother versus dad versus a different kind of loss. I hadn't met anyone else that really had been like, wow, I've been through this overwhelmingly depressing and difficult thing. So have you let's discuss. And we just like laughed about it. We talked about it all the time. And I just started healing in partial, I mean, from, from many things and many people, but she was someone that really stuck out to me as part of my healing journey. And so now I really learned that when I talk to so many different kinds of people about their different kinds of loss, we do relate, we do see each other. And even just listening to their stories is healing for me. So I think podcasts, as you know, is such a cool medium. I think it's great that people who might not be ready to talk about it or to share their own journey can still gain value and feel connection from listening to other stories despite not not having necessarily shared their own. Mhm,
0: mhm and and you, like me, are a really open person, and I think you're right that not everybody is like that at, at some point, they may want to open up and and communicate and share and whatever when you talk about you know losing your father and your mother having cancer, like what are the people that don't get it? How do they react? My
1: mom actually does that. My mom talks about her breast cancer all the time to strangers and not necessarily as much to her closer circles, but yeah, mm-hmm. she always jokes about like she will tell everyone in Costco cause she finds it therapeutic. Yeah, um, I think that people who can't relate to it at all are actually good people to hear these kinds of things because something that's not in your wheelhouse is maybe not something that is presented to you or discussed or in your inner world. So just hearing something that exists, I think is a good place to start. You know, I don't come to people with an overwhelming reaction, like, oh, my mom and she's sick. And it's so sad because then I think that can be more, I don't know, awkward or, or whatever. But sometimes yeah. I will mention, you know, yeah, my mom has stage four metastatic breast cancer. And it's been a few years. She's in a clinical trial and we're taking it day by day. So I do yeah. share things like that, you know, as opposed to like, people ask how my mom's doing all the time. Like it's a huge question. She's had her cancer for about five years now. And so it's really interesting, you know, over time people are like, is she like, what's going on? How's your mom? Like, is it still really bad? Is it kind of fine now? Like, and people don't know. So I like what you do too, like being honest and not being afraid to just share what's authentically going on. But you know, within a few bullet points. And if people are really intrigued, then you can elaborate further. And if
0: they're like totally thrown off, then, you know, I won't keep going with that. Totally, yeah. I do want to know, um, just when you get into those moments of sadness, you know, those moments of where you're like, I don't want to say victim mentality, but you just are like, why, th- why the fuck? Why does this happen? Like, what do you do to take care of yourself?
1: Love from the self-care queen herself. Um I think it's important to have a list of things mentally or physically. I mean, hey, a huge fan of having a, a physical list that you, you know, post by your laptop or you have written in a journal, or it can be in the notes app on your phone. Big fan of that. And just having a list of things that can bring you out of yourself, you know, bring you out of a victim mentality, bring you out of a depression. And I'll be really honest. I don't think these things are what solve your problems, but if they can bring you down from that rageful 10 to like a displeased six, like Mm -hmm. that's a win, you know, for me, I don't know why I'm so stubborn. Like I'm very like, this thing is not going to solve how I feel like, so I can have some resistance and transparency, but I do acknowledge and admit that these things can bring it down, which is still much, much better it, excuse me, which is still a much better place to be mentally. So some things for me would be walking. I mean, can't, can't stress it enough. And mm-hmm. some of the pelvic floor dysfunction that I have, which is another podcast episode, I've been having pain in my pelvis for many years. Oh my
0: gosh.
1: There's oftentimes that walking is the only thing that doesn't hurt. And I was resistant to that for a long time because I'm like, what's the point? It's just walking. But I think in the pandemic, more people have experienced that walking is spiritual as well as physical. So walking around the block, cooking is huge for me. I'm not like the fanciest person, but just the act of creating, you know, it is a it is a, a form of creation. So even if you're just blending a smoothie, you know, making something from the earth or... Taking something from the earth and digesting it. So, cooking, walking around the block, calling a friend, you know, like sometimes I need to call three friends a day. Like, I have a lot to say. I have a lot of emotions. I have a lot of shit going on with my mom and whatever else. And so, I need to talk to people. So, just knowing that that's a thing. And if you can't get a hold of someone, big fan of sending a voice memo. I send voice memos all the time. And. <laughs> <you too. laughs> It's, <laughs> Ashley, you're like, you can even send them to me. It's a, it's a way to not have the phone tag element of like calling back. It's like, just send them a voice memo and they'll respond back to you on their own time. And even if you can't get a hold of anyone right that moment and you're really frustrated, you just talking something out, the act of sending it to another human who you know will receive it is mentally helpful.
0: So those are some things that I like doing. I love the voice memo thing too. Like, are you an, would you say you're an extrovert? Is that, or like- some form of an extrovert. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. And like all of these. Okay. I always joke about like anything that's like a thing. I don't know what it is. Like, are you this human design? Are you this number of this? Are you this label of this? I'm just like, I don't know. And I should know all the things let's go with. Yes. For extrovert, because I do receive energy off of people, but I'm also confused. Like, don't we all need to be alone and like relax? Like, I don't want to be so like, like, like I've never been to a rave. I always joke about it. Like seems so fun, but like sounds stressful. So I'm like an extrovert adjacent with neurotic tendencies, in which case I need some alone time, right?
0: Does that I make sense? I feel like fun? lovely. I when I honestly though I, like it's the same. Some there's so many different interpretations of a lot of these things. When I think about an extrovert, I think of them as somebody who recharges around other people. So when you're feeling low energy and you're around others, you get energy from them. Does that mean you want to be alone sometimes? Heck yes, totally fine. Right. Um, versus like chart recharging by yourself. Like where you're like, I feel really depleted. I need to be alone.
1: I do both. I mean, honestly, both of those are so necessary. So like yeah. not the sexiest answer, but like, I don't see a world where either of those is mutually
0: exclusive. I'm like, those both are so important. How about therapy? Do you find that that's been something that's been consistent or helpful? What's your stance on therapy?
1: Yeah, very important. Um, And yet I feel like no one goes at first and then you sort of go and then all of a sudden you go, you know, that's sort of Mm -hmm. a lot of people's trajectory. Yeah, I've gone every single week virtually since last March. You know, my career completely changed, huge shifts in entertainment, stand up acting, everything like completely gone Ways that I made money, just everything was completely different. So it was really just emotionally confusing and stressful, and then being also (laughs) grateful, but also overwhelmed. So I've been in virtual therapy every single week. I actually found my therapist on BetterHelp, huge fan, completely changed my life. And fortunately for me, the first person I was matched with was an excellent fit, and we've never missed a week. I think oftentimes you will have to have trial and error. I think it's like dating. Try three or four. I know it's annoying. You will gain some kind of knowledge from all of them. And hopefully, after three or four, you'll find your fit. Now, my original journey with therapy was different, which is why I think virtual is really cool. It's more accessible, it's less overwhelming, it's less of a thing, you know, especially if you live in a city where commute times are crazy. I mean, that's. I mean, here in LA, it's a minimum of a three-hour commitment because it's going to be at least an hour there and back, even if they're oh like 10 God. minutes away. Yeah, it's just it just is. So it's three, that's three hours a week, which not everyone has, but virtual, it actually is one hour. Like you can be, you know, doing something mm-hmm. else up until 559 and then start at six. So big fan of that for anyone who's wanting to dip their toe in, like, what a great time to do that. My first experience with therapy was that it was non-existent despite being in elementary school with two terminally ill parents, I didn't see a therapist. You know, that's just a lot of us didn't because our parents were different. But my dad was diagnosed with ALS. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, he was in a wheelchair. Then he was paralyzed. Then he moved out. Then he was, you know, couldn't talk. My mom was bald. Chemo. Like, you know, there's, it was definitely stressful and it could be worse. They were, you know, they, they made it they made it work. That sounds like a weird thing to say about illnesses, but they didn't understand that despite me and my sister getting good grades, like perhaps there's emotionally things going Mm -hmm. on, like, Oh, good grades. You're fine. You know? So I wish that I had explored some of those things earlier, like emotional, excuse me, like emotional intimacy and things that I've struggled with that I think could be related would have been really helpful to have done as a child. But what is that? uh, What is that quote? That's like the best thing the best time to have done something was five years ago. The second next best time was today. So it's it's like, yeah, it would have been great to have done something then and yet you can't. So what are you going to do today? And then when my, excuse me, and then when my dad died, when I was in college, did not talk to anyone. Was just like, okay, like, I don't know. You just don't know who to go to and you're young and you don't know and your friends don't go. So you're just like, okay, I guess it's fine. And then when my mom was diagnosed, stage four breast cancer, which had returned 17 years later, I finally was like, okay, I really need to address the pain that I'm feeling around the loss of my dad, of whom I was extremely close to and talk shop with and talked till our faces fell off and talked to until our faces fell off. And I no longer had that person in my life. And I found, I found that I was really ready to actually address the pain of having this sick dad for such a long time. And then having lost him, unfortunately it was triggered by another illness, which of course made sense because illnesses in general is just, you know, been this recurring theme in my life for better or worse. And I say that because of course it's for worse, but yet for better in terms of the emotional work I've done around it and been able to hopefully help some other people with their emotional experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So I called a local group in LA A grief group for people in their 20s. And it it's through the the program is called Our House, and they're virtual now and they're a wonderful group. And they have grief groups for people in their 20s. And I was like, well, it's time. And I called them, and it had been six years since my dad had died. And they said, Well, we only help people for up to five years, which made complete sense because you have to draw the line somewhere. Hmm. And I became really, really interested in not just the fact that I couldn't go in the fact that that is it, it became telling to me that i was so ready and open after 6 years well i can't be the only one who 6, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years after a loss might finally be ready and yet what where are the resources for those people because it is a lifelong thing. That person in your life is not coming back and they will not Mm -hmm. be here for a long time, especially, you know, being 19 when he lost, I will be on this earth for more years without him than with him. Where's the opportunity to work through that? And there are things that exist. And yet I felt compelled and encouraged to kind of start my own little world because I figured I need to talk about this often. And I need to talk about this all the time. And I need to talk about this with people regularly. Like, who are these people? And I didn't know. So I became the people.
0: Mm. Have you found that there are a lot of people like in a similar position? I mean, I, I get the sense that you have. Like, have you built this community around? I mean, grief is lifelong, right? Like, this is a lifelong experience.
1: Yeah, people will message me. I mean, not a t- you know, it's a it's a small but growing little world, so it's not like this huge thing as of now, but yeah, it's 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 flattering and and beautiful and strange, but people will message me like, "Hey, you know, my my parent just died. What do I do?" The most common messages I get are, "My parent was just diagnosed. What are your thoughts?" you know, because that's like a really triggering moment it's the beginning of your grief journey for for many and and some people are fortunate and it won't be and they will come back from their illness and be healed but for many it is the beginning of their grief journey and i will get those messages because i've been through that two different times you know with both of the parents so it's just nice to be able to connect with people you know online one of the beauties there's certainly blessings and curses to social media but is connecting with other people mm-hmm. who are like hey My mom just got diagnosed with breast cancer, which unfortunately one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer and it's still shocking. I'm fascinated. Like even though my mom had had it before, when it came back, it was absolutely shocking. I was 25. My mind was blown. I was extremely depressed. I, I couldn't even like function. And yet it's extremely common. One in eight women. And if you have it, it is very possible that it comes back, but it's not like pleasant to think of life in that way. And it's, my goal is not to like be an alarmist and like put out statistics. So people are scared, but much like what you're doing with self-care and what so many podcasts are doing with their messages. It's just about normalizing some of these darker Mm -hmm. things, taking them out of the dark, putting them into the light. And It's not funny, but I I don't mean to laugh, but it's like crazy that it's so depressing and overwhelming when when our parents, you know, something happens to them. And yet all of our parents are going to hopefully die before us. I say hopefully, because if they don't, that means that you died before them. And that's, of course, not what we're going for. So how can we support each other, be there for one another when our parent either gets diagnosed or, you know, I speak with people who have lost parents to Homicide, suicide, addiction, not just terminal illness. But how can we just support people and make it a little bit more normal? It's going to happen. We're all going to die. And yet we're terrified and we're confused mm. and we're ashamed.
0: Why? Mm. Yes. Oh, this is when you say it like that. To me, it's it's really spiritual. I mean, like I'm thinking one of my favorite books is the other untethered soul. And it's this idea that duh, we're all going to die. And life is a shit storm. Like it really is every day. Like there are so many hard things. And yet if we live in that constant state of fear and grief and sadness and all the things and that overwhelms or overcomes us, like what life is that? Okay, oh, hey, friends, I want to talk about energy today. And I mean like actual physical energy in the body. You know, sometimes energy shows up like excitement or just ready to tackle the day. Sometimes energy shows up like anxiety for for a variety of reasons. One of those reasons is when I drink too much caffeine. (laughs) Anyone else? I love a good coffee, but sometimes it just gets the best of me. So I've been switching to drinking more herbal tea and has been such a game changer with that energy. My favorite tea is our show sponsor Simpson and Vale. So friends, they're so good. They have so many different blends and they just launched two new additions to their wellness blends that I am here for. Those wellness blends are No caffeine, herbal, and the ones that I'm really loving on these new ones, the first one is called the Turmeric Ginger Citrus Tea. It's the perfect afternoon pick-me-up. It's certified organic and it has tons of flavor. It's like spunky. I like to use turmeric and ginger to assist with any inflammation and just with everyday digestion. So this is a perfect one for the afternoon or really any time with digestion. And the other new blend that they just launched is the Calm blend. This has ashwagandha, lavender, chamomile, and passion flower. So chill. I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha because it's so subtle. So if you want to try some of these new teas, any of their over 380 blends, you can use code Yoga Magic for 15% off your first order when you head over to svtea.com and use code Yoga Magic for 15% off your first order. Again, that's S-V-T-E-A tea.com. It's so much easier said than done, right? Like, holy buckets to just, like, I think about the fear around, like, something happening to my children or something happening to me and them not being with, you know, being without me or whatever. Like, but can I focus on that every day? No, that would be ridiculous. So this work you're doing is like, ugh. It is real. And thank you. Thank you. What are you seeing when you talk to these individuals, all these different people who've had different experiences? Is there a through line? Is there something that you're seeing that's kind of consistent with all of them as they're working through it? Sure. A positive through line is that after a few
1: years, people do get better. You know, you, you do move on in the sense that you're not, overwhelmed with deep depression every single day for the rest of your life. You don't move on in the sense that, of course, your life will never be the same. And many, many circumstances point to that you are going to be suffering in some capacity for quite a while. But in terms of a positive through line, yeah. After a few years, you know, you you do move forward. You do keep going. And that's with any tragedy, not just specific to grief. So perhaps if you're listening and you haven't lost a parent or sibling, you know, if you've been through something monumental, even like even a move or a loss of a job or a loss of an experience or a loss of a friendship, certainly breakups, you know, a few, a few years later, you do find your footing again. They say it takes between one and three years to the point where you're not thinking about the loss every single day. Um, I think my experience was closer to three. You know, it depends on how close you were to to that person and how they died and how much time you had to think about it and how much emotional work you've done before and all these other things. So after a few years, people do pick themselves up. People always say that if they had someone to talk to about it at the time of the grief, that was extremely helpful. But a lot of people also didn't. So if you're listening or and you didn't have someone to talk to or you don't, please don't feel isolated. That's extremely common as well. But I think resources, honestly, like podcasts as well as books and films, and I can drop a few recs at any point, I have recs for all of those, are ways that you can get through it on your own. I, I got through it on my own and, and here I am. Another type of loss is the loss of that time. You know, there's times that I don't think about my dad at all. And I have grief around that. And there's times that I can't remember what we did. And I can't remember what he said. My dad, interestingly, had become paralyzed by the mid-90s. So interestingly, he does never send a text message. I think about things like that. Like Mm -hmm. by the time there were cell phones like, He didn't text. So like, I don't have texts, you know, I don't have voicemails. I don't, I don't have anything besides a handful of photos, which thank goodness. But you think about now, like how many bajillions of pictures you have of like everyone in your life. So that's just interesting. And I've had grief around that. Like, Hmm. Like who, who, who is someone if they're not there and who is someone if they're not talked about and asked about. And another impetus for starting the podcast was not necessarily the questions people asked me about my dad, but the questions they didn't ask me. And that really interested me. Like, what do we do with that? You know, I understand why it had been six, six, seven years when I first started doing grief work. So that's already a while now it's been 10. Why would someone ask? And yet what can we do to just normalize all of this? That 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 wasn't perfectly tied into a bow, but those are some things coming up for me.
0: <laughs> what what do you mean when you say the questions that people don't ask? What what type of questions are those? People don't ask about
1: people who died many years ago. You know, the first few months people are asking a million things. Mm. Like the first few months after this monumental loss was like. Every person you've ever talked to in your entire life reaches out to you. I mean, there's just nothing like it. It's like, and you get the most beautiful messages. I mean, people from your childhood, people that you didn't even know remembered you, people in your second grade class that say, You had this report about women's rights, and I'll never forget how eloquently you spoke about, you know, things that you're like, Wow. And it's it's beautiful, and yet you don't even have the capacity to fully take it all in because I, I remember like I posted on Facebook when my dad died, and within like ten minutes I had like eighteen miss you know four hundred it, it's like like all night it's just going and then that's the first few days and then the first few months it's just like this constant thing and then after a year or two no one really asks anything. Yeah. Like, it's just like, okay. So I'm a big fan of asking people questions about their past experiences, whether it's pertaining to grief or otherwise, like, Hey, how are you feeling about X? How are you feeling about Y? Like, I would love to ask you how you're feeling in a few years about this miscarriage, you know, that kind of thing I do take note of, because I know how magical it is for me when someone does really want to ask me about my dad many years later. So. I my little tip, my takeaway is putting dates and calendars, big fan of that. So if a friend or family member in your life has experienced tragedy, miscarriage, loss, anything that's overwhelming or monumental, putting that date in the calendar mm-hmm. for yearly or for next year, you know, mark it so that you can bring it up to them, send a small gift, send a nice paperless post email, give them a voice memo or a call on the anniversary of that moment, I think it really, really is special. And things like that are so powerful and overlooked.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I've never thought of that. Thank you. Thank, I try to like be that person that writes, you know, like birthday cards and, you know, does that stuff. This is way bigger than that. I love that idea. What other resources? You said you have some books and just other great resources. You're the, you, you have sure. all info
1: big fan of resources. The Dinner Party is a group that is now doing virtual peer-led grief groups. So I lead peer-led grief groups through this organization. It used to be in person. It's really really great. They're on Zoom. They're specific to your kind of loss or not. You can opt for general grief group about Anyone in your life, there's one specific to just parents, loss of both parents, just siblings, loss of dad, loss of mom. Mine is a comedy through grief group. So I'm implementing comedic moments and we share funny stories about our parents. And it's sort of this lighter, you know, this thing that's related to what my podcast is. But there's all kinds of things. There's ones, if you have lost a friend or a best friend, that's very specific, loss of partner. So the dinner party is amazing. If you're a one-on-one person, they also have a buddy system. They can match you with someone Ideally, slash not ideally, who lost someone specific to the way that you lost yours, and then you're just kind of matched, and you go from there. Modern Loss is an online community. They have a great book. This book I would specifically recommend for anyone who is grieving someone, let's say like a, a teacher or a neighbor. There's a, it's, it's short stories. They're all, okay, I'm going to say it again. Modern Loss is a book of short essays about people who have lost people. And their life, not necessarily the number one wreck I'd have for parent or sibling, because most of the stories are a little bit more removed, such as a, a neighbor, teacher, past person in your life you forgot about, and then they died, and then you saw it on Facebook, and you have thoughts. So it's a great intro to anyone mm-hmm. who's like, I'm really affected by my drama teacher dying. You know, I haven't talked to her in 10 years, but it's stories like that. It's really, really beautiful trying to think what else. My favorite book is The Power of Now. It's not specific to grief. Oh yeah.
0: You love that book? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like I'm sort of surprised that you said that cuz you said you're like just a little bit you're one woo and I feel like that's a wow a woo woo book.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I think I told Ashley on a previous call. I'm not full woo woo but I'm a little bit so I'm woo. Um that's like the best way I can describe it. But no, I mean being woo, I'm still fully adjacent to woo-woo things, I, I just, you know, I just like to like balance it out. Sometimes I need to like psychologically understand like why something is, Um, but you know, it, it, it evolves and changes. Like my, my relationship to spirituality has evolved in different ways after losing my dad, he, he was extremely Jewish growing up. And so what his relationship to God was, was one thing, but even his relationship changed when he became terminally ill and interestingly, I'll just share this anecdote. Jewish people are historically are not cremated. And there's a correlation with Holocaust, burning oh, an oven. Sure. Like, you know, there's, there's, this, there's a through line there. There's also a lot of other reasons that A, I don't have time to get into. B, I don't even fully know what all of them are. But just, <laughs> yeah, historically, Jewish people are buried. And my dad, despite being extremely Jewish and going to Hebrew school like six days a week as a child, he... Opted to be cremated because he felt that his body no longer served him, if that's the right word. I mean, I I can't put words in his mouth, but you know, ALS, you you become paralyzed. So he was paralyzed for over a decade. And we're talking, you can't move a muscle, you can't change the channel, you can't scratch your face, you can't move your head. I mean, in, in his situation, he was completely paralyzed for a very, very long time. And ultimately, when the muscles are attacked in your vocal cords, that's how you die. Those muscles become paralyzed as well. So he felt that his relationship with his body after many years had changed in such a way that, I don't know, he didn't want his body mm-hmm. to, to be, or, or, you know, it's so personal. I, I, I would love to talk to him more about that decision. You know, it, it was a very brief conversation 10 years ago at this point, but it is something I've thought about. And I think that a gift we can give ourselves is asking our loved ones difficult questions about how they would like to go. Now, this sounds extremely awkward. I have a great episode on my podcast with Liz Eddy, who's the CEO of Lantern, which is an organization that helps you track all of the ways that your loved one, that your loved ones want to go. So, I would just say, at some point, put it in the back of your mind or not. Having a conversation with your parents about things like if they would like to be cremated or buried, where they would like their ashes scattered, would they like to be on life support? Do they have a will in place? Do they have their passwords written down for things like their bank accounts, their cell phone bill? I mean, those things are extreme stressors to not have passwords and access to things like money when your person goes. So, even if your parent is not sick, and I hope that they're not. I think it's a very bizarre, but beautiful way to honor them and to honor yourself by writing a few things, just jotting down a few notes about what their hopes and wishes were and even doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the majority of people listening are young and healthy and not necessarily thinking about this, but what a gift that you can give someone else. And God forbid the worst, something horrible happens to you that you have clarity on some of those wishes and that your loved ones have clarity so that they feel that they can honor you the way that you want it to be honored. Mm.
0: That is super good advice. My husband works in um, nursing comes assisted livings and long-term care. And so that he's in a total agreement with this, that like, we, you, we really have to young at a young age, establish, like, what do you want? Like at some point we're going to become old and we need to figure that out. And like, yeah. And, and those conversations, like I, he set them up on my calendar, like, okay, we're going to look at our will and have this combo. And I'm always like, oh, this is so like the energetics around this is so depressing. I feel like we're manifesting death. And it's like, but duh, it's going to happen. So I I, I shouldn't keep saying duh, but like it is, you know, it, of course it's going to happen. And and like, it takes some, it takes some bravery and some realness to sit down and like have those conversations and it's going to help in the long run. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Nice. I love that your husband does that. Um, I mean, and putting in the calendar. I mean, you just have to laugh because you're like, yeah, energetically, I think a lot of people think the energy is, is low and, and, you know, to my point about manifestation, it's like, no, we're, we're, we are all going to die. Like you said. And so talking about death doesn't mean it's going to happen. And I totally get that because it, it's, it's very bizarre. And even sometimes me saying things about my mom, like I don't want to put out like any bad vibes at all. And yet I like to be honest. So I'm glad you're having those conversations. I hope someone listening feels encouraged to do it. You got this listeners. You can do it. You can DM Ashley or myself. Let us know how it goes. But you know, we just got to look out for one another and just remember that having these conversations are important, so.
0: Yeah, last question. I, you talk about humor and, you know, comedy and grief, and obviously that's something that you're really good at. How has that helped you? How has that helped others? Like kind of what have you learned through this this process of tying them together?
1: Oh my goodness. I love comedy as a mechanism for releasing stress, for telling the truth, for being yourself, for therapy. And I think many others do as well. I've learned that making light of a dark situation is everything. I mean, it's everything. There's truly some moments that are so sad there's nothing left to do but laugh. And I learned that through my dad. My dad was hilarious. And I, I think a lot of people feel that about their dads. Like, my dad was so funny. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people always tell me that on my podcast. Like, my dad was hilarious. So I don't know if we all just feel that way about our dads. But my dad was always into, like, practical jokes. Like, April Fool's Day. Like, he he was just through and through this weird, funny guy. And throughout his ALS, he, when he did bring humor to it, I found that he was in a better place. So even when the last year he didn't speak, we would literally point at letters on this like makeshift whiteboard for him to spell out his wants and needs, which now everything is like super technical. There's like lasers connected to your eyes that do it for you. LOL, not funny, but funny. And he would (laughs) make jokes through that. And it was so uncomfortable. I mean, it would be a great visual for a movie because his face was completely paralyzed, right? Like, literally, his face did not move. So, we're talking, you can't even smile. You can't, like, have a gleam in your eye, like, literally, just a stone face. And then I would spell things out. And in our last conversations, I would say things like, you know, and I'm going to be fine and I'm going to, you know, I'll get married. And, you know, I tried to be like, I'm going to be okay or or whatever. My little teenage self felt like I could muster up. And then he would type out Brad Pitt. And like, that's like, I mean, he didn't have that many. He he also couldn't even tell full sentences. So it was just like little words. And you're like, yep, dad, totally. Brad, ha ha, not funny. Let's laugh. And I just (laughs) have loved comedy ever since. So I've always appreciated people who have been able to make fun of themselves or make light of situations, right? We've all walked into those rooms that are so stuffy and bizarre and awkward. And then someone just says one thing, we all burst out laughing. It's medicine. It's a way to heal us. It's a way to connect us. And that's why I'm so passionate about it.
0: Mm. You're doing good work, Chelsea. This is, this is hard stuff. Thank you. Thank you for doing it.
1: So good to I, there's so many things that I, I wish I could like explain, like all the people I've talked to and what they've said. And I just can't feel like I can fully do it justice. But it's such this we're on such a beautiful planet and we're all connected. And despite all of the challenges and bizarre differences that we've seen and that we have, we're here one time. What is the one legacy that you hope to have? What, what is the one gift you hope to give someone else? And on days when I'm really depressed and stressed out, it really does help me just to remember I'm here. I'm alive. I'm alive one time. If I knew I was going to die in five years, would I be doing this? If I knew I was going, if I knew I was going to die next year, would I be doing this? And if that's really dark and doesn't help someone, fair and square. But if it helps, hey, why not? Mm.
0: Yeah. That's like real motivation, right. To do, what do we want to do in this life? I love that. This is Chelsea. This is spirituality. You were like a little Buddha over there.
1: <laughs> I definitely No, but Buddha Jason, do you, do you ever do that? Like when you get like very stressed out and overwhelmed, like, where does your mind go? Do you, do you think back to, or, you know, there's only one life. Cause I didn't used to like, where, where does your mind go in those times of stress?
0: Mm, I love this question. It's actually funny that you're bringing this up because I've been, I do a ton of meditation and I do a ton of like work with my spirit guides and, and hypnosis and all these things. And I kind of get the same answer all the time. It's like, Ashley, like your life is really good. You're, you're overcomplicating things. You need to just really look at what you have and be grateful and, and sort of like enjoy the sweetness of what you have, what you have in this life, because it's, it's a gift. I mean, even the the crappy stuff, like when I did a past life regression before we lost the babies and, and I kept getting over and over again, the message that like, even when stuff is really hard, it's still really good. There's still a lot of good things, but you have to make that conscious choice, right? It's like, it's, it's life design in a way you design that. So I think you and I see it in like these different worlds, but it's very much the same thing. It's like, we're so lucky, so lucky to be in a human form. Let's use it.
1: Absolutely. I love that so much. How, how have you been feeling since you shared a few weeks ago about your miscarriage? What was it like publicly sharing that? What has been the response and, and how are you feeling? Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think for me, it was, it was a no brainer that I'd want to share, especially as it relates to something like miscarriage, because it's this like weird solo grief that like there's, there honestly is some blame around. Like I, as much as like, I don't, I don't blame women. I think society just by not talking about it inherently blames mothers. And I think that's fucked up. So I wanted to talk about it and, and just, you know, let other people know that like, we're all dealt stuff and self-care obviously is like my, my platform. It makes it more bearable. You know, you're talking about that like 10 to six, heck yes. Like that's it. Right. Like if taking five minutes to breathe and meditate, Gives me a little bit of solace, then yes. Is it going to make me feel totally healed? No, that's not a reality, but like it does help. So Mm. it's been really, really good. The response that I've gotten is extremely positive. If there's been any, you know, feedback that isn't positive, it's just that. I should have probably told some of my family members, like some of my more extended family members before I told like social media. And that's a lesson I learned. But again, like sometimes you're not thinking clearly when you're in these moments of grief. I don't, I've never been through this before. So I don't know. I don't know what the right way to do it is. I just try to like follow my intuition and follow my heart. And we never told my daughters that we that we were pregnant. We never officially told them. They're flipping a little psychic. So they knew like the second that we were pregnant, mommy, there's a baby in your belly. And when they were gone... I just said, you know, mommy's really sad. Mommy's really sad. And I think talking about being sad to each other, people and to your family and to your kids and letting normalizing sadness is a huge healing and, you know, the huge realness to this process. So I like to, I like to be really open as much as I can while still respecting other people at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Well, I'm really glad that you did share that. I, I've had three friends who have had miscarriages in the past year and all have remained private in different ways. And I just want to respect, I, I fully respect that. And I just, I'm like, can I connect you? Like, do you want to talk mm-hmm. to this other woman? You know, it's, and and everyone's on their own journey with it, but I just appreciated that you shared that. And I actually... DM that to a few people that I knew who also had had a miscarriage and were being private about it. So it's really healing in ways that, yeah, you you might not even realize. I definitely sent that. It was like, hey, this is my friend, just wanted to send this. And they're like, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, mm, thank you. It's, it's nice that you're able to put yourself out there in that way because it might make someone else feel more comfortable doing the same and or, you know, provide that relief privately, which we were kind of talking about at the beginning.
0: I think you and I both, right? Like the purpose is to help others through this process. whilst, well, kind of at the same time healing ourselves, like it's, it's a two-way streak.
1: I wonder what your relationship like with miscarriages as a mother. And I'm wondering if anyone else brought
0: that up. Like at, the already having children that are earthbound here. Yeah. Most of the time it's like, you hug your little girls, right? It's like recognize what you have. And I I don't, some people might take that as, I don't know, they might take that the wrong way. I take it as like, you're totally right. Like be like power of now, right? Like I have these two beautiful children um, and I'm really present with them and I'm, I'm so grateful that they are here. But no, I think that like people all, they have like good intentions when they say that and everyone is just so different how they interpret these things. And I think that's why it is hard to talk about this stuff is because you may have good intentions and you also may say the wrong thing, you know, you really, well, that's why I love Nora um, McGurney. Like, I love how she talks about that. Like you still have, you know, people say the wrong thing all the time, but at least they're saying something, you know, and I, I'm in agreement. Yeah.
1: And there's, I mean, there's something to be said about acknowledging people's truth and acknowledging people's tries, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people sometimes feel that if they say something, it'll be worse if they say the wrong thing, but we're all human and we have to support each other in our evolution of trying to talk about difficult things and whatever that looks like. So Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. So I think this is an outcome of social media is that. I another reason I really wanted to share is because a lot of times I'll get people that will say things like, "Oh my gosh, your life is so beautiful. You're so lucky. You have these kids and like, you know, the house and the like all the like things that we show on social media, right? To make our lives look perfect. Yeah, and no one's lives are perfect, right? There is no version of a life that looks like it does on Instagram. And so that's why I do try to put stuff out there that's like pretty raw and real. Um, just to remind everybody, we're all going through things. We are absolutely. I think you do
1: a really nice job of striking that balance. Social media is a whole other I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, but my favorite word around social media, I say this on podcasts all the time, is balance, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what comes up for me. I'm like balance. It's beautiful for connection. A lot of us have businesses on there. It's here to stay. It's an important tool. And the comparing is real. The anxiety is real. The cortisol levels rising when you see something is real, especially early in the morning. So the word balance is my favorite thing with social media. Set your timers. You know, don't beat yourself up. Remind yourself that everyone is, you know, projecting their best selves. And yet, as many times as I remind myself, like I forget literally every day. I know. Every single day I see something and I'm like, oh my gosh, it must mean this. I literally forget every single day. So (laughs) balance is, is helpful and having days where you don't go on at all. Like I think it's not realistic at this point. Some people, you know, when their advice is like, I just don't go on anymore. I think that's really wonderful. I'm super jealous. Bless up but if you are on and it is a part of your world like can you have days where you don't go on because I noticed when I was tracking my screen time which you can do on your iPhone which is fascinating how much time I did spend was really helpful because I was like whoa that's actually nuts and granted mm-hmm. being at BuzzFeed for a year didn't necessarily help because I had to actually go on to track stats and things like that but now I'm like cool Maybe a couple days a week, I don't go on. Even if it's just Sunday, you don't go on. Or even if you just don't go on from nine to five, or even if you set the timer and just start, you just don't go on for two hours a day. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. I consciously will not go on from one to 3 p.m. Great. I think that's helpful. I think that's lovely, you know?
0: Yeah. When I'm sad, sometimes I watch one of your, I think it's a reel or a video about peeing your pants. And I like literally like, I love love that one.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I remember you. Thank you. You reshared that. No, that was uh, cause I have pelvic floor dysfunction, which is another podcast episode that we are figuring out all Let's the time. Do that. <laughs> I, on occasion pee my pants. And there was one time that I filmed it. And of course that went viral because that was so bizarre. And yet authentic, I don't know. That was my authentic moment. It was actually mortifying though. And I had to drive home from San Francisco and it was horrible, but Hey,
0: <laughs> got a laugh. Glad it's, it's lots doing. of joy over here. uh Chelsea, can you tell listeners how to find you, find your show? All the goodness.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. I'm on Instagram at Chels. Who else? So that's like Chels. Who else would it be but chelsea My name is Chelsea London Lloyd. You can Google that way. My show is the Dying of Laughter podcast. I would love to see you over there if you're grieving. I'm also on Instagram at Dying of Laughter podcast. DM me if your peeps are getting diagnosed or want to chat. I'm happy to weigh in or just
0: listen and all of the things. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. If this episode resonated with you, if you've learned something or healed something, consider sharing this episode or leaving a review. And a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Simpson and Veil Tea. I'll see you next week, friends.